0: change something in our lives. Fighting is not an option. Fighting the same thing is not an option. We need to change the direction of our fight. We need to fight and we need to get some soldiers around us to
1: support us. Welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project. Unique perspectives, practical insights, and unexpected discoveries directly focused on giving you the unfair advantage. Introducing your hosts, Nadia Hughes and Terence Toe. Hey, it's Terence here. You're listening to episode two of a two-part series that we did with Lance Burdett. If you haven't already, go and check out episode one of this two-part series.
2: What I do see is um, the movie stage. It's very recognizable, painfully recognizable for me, this movie stage. And also drowning as well, as any person. You did touch point, but it also reminded me of when people go through grief, that's what's happening. They shut down as well. And this is movie stage. It's almost, you said, depressed. This is a very oppressive feeling. I remember that. Also, what I learned from you right now, I was doing exactly what I shouldn't be doing because I was thinking, this is what my body needs. It needs to shut down, not to see anybody. You says no, it's exactly opposite. You do need to go out and socialize. You Mm. need to introduce this stimuli to get out. You need to exercise. Well, I tell you what, because experiencing it firsthand, it's almost impossible to do that at this point of time. What... Basically,
0: it is. And look, <laughs> and sometimes we have the thing that's happened to us, and I've, I've learned this a lot, the thing that's happened to us is it's personal. So we don't want to share. Mm-hmm. But what we do know, and the research is just overwhelming that. So let's look at it this way. So why is it that men are overrepresented two to one in depression and three, just over three to one in suicide? And so I always look to ladies and I say, because women are more susceptible to stress and depression biologically and neurologically than men. Why is it underrepresented? Because you talk. (laughs) Don't you? You talk. Although when you're becoming overwhelmed, you don't know who to talk to. Who could I share this? I don't want to burden them. I don't want to be Maybe is all I do need to do is to get inside that plaster cast and that cocoon and just close down and see what happens. And that's our first option. It is an easy option. Now, we don't have to go and talk with people about our problems. We just need to get out. So in crisis negotiation terms, it's called change position. We need to change something. The definition of insanity, as you know, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And so we need to change something in our lives. Fighting is not an option. Fighting the same thing is not an option. We need to change the direction of our fight. We need to fight and we need to get some soldiers around us to support us. And so you choose one or two friends. If not, rooms, if if that works. I mean, I studied radicalization a few years ago and you had to have human-to-human contact to get fully radicalized. Well, now we know our brains have altered. We can become fully radicalized by watching movies and by watching videos online. So why can't we use that to support ourselves? Why can't we go online, go into chat rooms? We know that gaming in particular for young men In in fact, for 70-year-old men, their brains are regressing back to 50-year-olds by gaming. They've got the same. They look like me, like the pilot. They've got the microphone and that on their head, and they're they're sitting there, and they're playing, and they've got their hands going flat out, and they're talking. So to a degree, we're still socializing, although we do know that human-to-human contact, you know, a gentle touch. A gentle touch is really important as part of human behavior. And we used to do these things. All of our brain is millions of years old, you know. This isn't it. It's millions. And so we go back. What do we used to do? Sit around a campfire, arm around each other, big circle talking. And that's how we got through things. Gee, I was really scared today, but, but you know, I got that big tiger and I killed it and here we are eating half it right now. I'm really clever. We know the whole time that that person was absolutely bricking themselves. They were scared. Why? Because of cave drawings. There's a small man and a big saber tooth tiger and we know it's the other way around. So we know they were scared, right? So that's the, this, the example that I use. In that. And so now it's about changing what you're doing. People say, do I relax? I do. I'm an active relaxer. So I can't sit still for five minutes. Just before this podcast, I'm sitting here doing a new program for, I'm going to back to the police college and uh, talk about um, terrorism and things like that for the negotiators, some things that I've done and spend a whole day there. So I'm doing that and I'm doing you, but I'm relaxing doing it. Because Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. So it's about doing what you enjoy. You don't have to stop. I hear this all the time where people say, you need to stop doing, you need to relax, you need to sit in front of TV and watch. I couldn't stand doing that. Not unless it was an action movie. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's an action movie, because people are doing it, and I'm sitting there, and I'm in the movie. (laughs) I'm doing it. It's very good for your spiritual brain too, is watching movies you escape into. So obviously the old, you know, the Jack Reacher, I'm Jack. Look at me go. And so that's how I relax, by doing things. Mowing the lawns, digging the garden. I've got a garden outside my window here that hasn't had anything planted in it for two years, but every weekend I go out, and I just turn the soil. It's the most aerated soil in the world. (laughs) I don't know why I do it. I presume it's to keep the weeds down, I don't know. But at the end of it, I look at it and go... Wow, that's pretty cool. It's all in a row and it's all, there's something about just doing things. So you don't have to not do things.
2: I will tell you exactly what's happening with your land and the most aerated. It's a <laughs> little part you have a full control over. It's like one mm. of the generals having this talk and it's gone viral on YouTube by making every morning, making you it bet. doesn't matter what happens. You come back to the clean But You know that doesn't matter what happens to your world, you will come to this patch of dirt and will turn it upside down and terminate all the weed weeds mm. and it will be under your full control and it will thrive. So having control over a little element of your life mm. gives you perspective that you can have hopefully in a how do you eat an elephant? Once, uh,
0: Yeah, it's on. just one mouthful at a time, isn't it? And that's exactly yeah. it. And, and we do, by myself, and with my wife and son, whenever I needed to hold something up, put three stories on the side of our house years ago. I built three stories. It was a 45 degree pitch roof. In other words, this thing was just a monster. Every day I'd get out and I'd look at it and go, wow, how am I going to get this done? Oh, well, better start somewhere. Let's put that bit of wood in that hole. Oh, well, that bit of wood's in that hole. Let's put a bit of wood in that hole. Oh, let's just hang that up on there. And you just, I mean... The example I often use is, how was Mount Everest conquered? One's well,
2: I, I heard not fine. by many.
0: <laughs> Sorry?
2: If you failed, it's <laughs> still there.
0: It's, you don't fail. Now, that's a, ooh, I want you to talk about that. Yes. What is failure? Okay, it's well, inside your head. Maria, what is failure? Get away from this now. Okay. <laughs> I want to change the way you think.
2: So let's rethink it. So when I see that body... Mm-hmm. which was dreaming to get on top of mountain and now it's dead, I would think it's little bit failure.
0: Would you? Or no. would you think that they were doing something to achieve what they wanted to achieve and just because of circumstances around them and they still succeeded, haven't they, because they're still on the mountain? The person at the bottom of the mountain that said, oh, why did they do it? Is probably the one that failed for not trying.
2: It's a um, very deep concept um, because I feel physically sick when I was reading about Everest and mm. all these things. I I felt pain for those mm. people.
0: Absolutely right, absolutely right. But why do they do that? What Some drives them?
2: I want to understand that. To be honest, I do want to understand because. I'm very tied up by family. I've got four children, which made me risk adverse. I used to be very devil, but the moment I had kids, I become very risk adverse because I think something inside my body keeps me this way. And probably in the past, I would understand those people more than I understand them now from my new position.
0: And, And that's a good point. So I was the same. I used to jump out of planes. So I was a skydiver. Mm -hmm. And I gave up because I had children. So circumstances changed. Do I still need to chase that hunger? No. So I changed the way I, what I wanted to do. I changed it and came in a, a different angle, a different way. I changed my focus to now becoming my family is the plane I jumped out of. So for you, your mountain is your children, your family. And so that's the mountain you choose. Now, has anyone failed? in this thing. Failure is a, you just haven't achieved everything that you want to in that particular part. So I always say the person that stays at home and sits in their chair and watches TV and says, oh, idiots, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. Well, I'm sorry, you're sitting in your chair. You haven't failed. And that might be what you want to do. And if it's what you want to do, then you're a success. (laughs) but it's getting out and trying things and getting out and doing what you want to do. And yet people don't often, and people don't achieve everything they want to achieve. And that's the point. It's not failure. It's they just haven't achieved. So we've got to get rid of this because failure is just a concept. It's what we think that we should do. And this also brings additional pressure. What is failure in business? Yes. If you've got a steady business, and it may not have grown to what you thought it had, is that a failure? Are you still turning over? Are you still achieving? You just might have set a goal, and you haven't quite got to that goal yet. So what can you do differently to perhaps not – I, I like setting goals, but for me, goals aren't goals. They aren't a, an end because when I've got that, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one. And we keep exciting our brain with these things uh, and so what is a successful business for you for me for somebody else It's completely different so success is the business is still going if you have to sell it if you're overwhelmed with things and you do have to have you failed no you've had a successful business and you just haven't achieved everything you want to so it's all around that mindset stuff uh, if the business goes under you know that's horrible I would I would hate to, to, to be in that situation but is it a failure or have you learned things along the way? How many successful business people have had two or three businesses before that one success? So they haven't failed along the way. What they've done is they've just learnt, and they've taken another step. They've maybe two steps back, one forward, and then all of a sudden we go one back, two forward. We're just learning as we go. So failure for me, it's a concept. It's not a real thing.
2: For all people out there, because you caught me, you caught me on this way of thinking, and this is part of our holding back concepts, which is sitting there infested our souls. Uh, They have been introduced from young age, this concept of failure. And the moment they were introduced to your head, you start uh, processing through this uh, sort of concept. I hear a lot of people thinking this way, the way I have said it to you, and they feel like they have failed and they feel because the cash flow is not there or mm. typical pains of the business or they fail hiring right people in their business or they haven't met these big goals of turnover and things like that. They haven't launched on time some certain product. By looking at this from what you have said, it's an old news, but however, it's an emphasized old news, which we just tend to just push down is all about looking the gains rather than the overall mm. loss by, put it, by portraying this situation in a different light and from perspective of okay, by hiring wrong type of people, we did not fail we actually gain an experience what it feels mm. like, what our business was shaped as by, by wrong crew we mm. have experienced this before what it feels like not have cash flow, is it now, the memory of having this uncomfortable feeling of not being able to pay your employees will propel you to put and put you into a position where you never want to be in this. So you, everything from now on you are going to do is going to prevent uh, to be in this position. Therefore, you have sharper tools to deal with it. You mm. have better decision-making process and things like that. That's what I probably uh, would rephrase myself is, yes, I have made this mistake myself. I do have, I'm flawed. I do have this sometimes when I'm down, when I'm in a movie state, I think about failure.
0: That's something we all do. We have a negativity bias in our brain. So our brain is 80% of our memory is negative and that's how it keeps us safe. And so, um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just... I, I just I'm
2: glad like, you have. I didn't know where I'm going with this. <laughs>
0: just, okay. Is that why your eyes were rolling around for then? I just, <laughs> so, um,
2: <laughs> being a very emotional human being, I probably would end up sobbing and telling you. <laughs> so,
0: I'm, I'm and
2: kind I, and of I would really
0: reach out and tell yeah, Terence to give you a just, hug and just... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, the way our brain works, it has a negative e-bias. And that, from what the best knowledge that we do have, is after the ice age. So the only people who survived after the ice age, as I jokingly put, were the ones that put their transistor radio, their fresh water, the new batteries, the torch and all that in the corner of the cave. So they are the ones, the ones that were out playing and making daisy chains and dancing around are all dead because they didn't weren't prepared. So worry, that's why worry is a risk management tool. Now your brain remembers things in files. So an example might be, when was the last time you phoned your telco, whether it's Telstra or whoever it might be, Vodafone a uh, year, you, you've just smiled and you think, yeah, I remember that. And uh, did you get angry? Yes. Did you remember every other time that they did something wrong? Yes. All of a sudden you'll hear yourself quote something from two years ago. And that was not the first time that you did this. And you think, where did that come from? It's because our brain remembers negative things to look after us, and then it exaggerates it. And so writing stuff down is the way to overcome this. Here's a little classic example of what might happen to us. We're running late for work, and we leaving home. And we suddenly realize we didn't say goodbye to our partner, so we yell out, see ya, and we hear back, whatever, and you think, I haven't got time for this. You wait till I get home. The whole day goes by, you start to think about it, you think about it, you think about it, you wait till I get home, it starts off with, and it ends up being, well, maybe I might have made a little, I might have snored, I might have, I might have, I might have. It turns to self-blame. So what happens is we catastrophize an event, We, ex- is all we're doing there is expanding the negative to bring clarity. So that's what our brains are wired to do. We expand the negative to bring clarity to fix it. So by the time we get home, we think we're having a divorce inside our head, and we look at the driveway and think, "Well, at least my clothes aren't on the front lawn on fire." <laughs> and we open the door very gingerly, and we go, "Hi!" And we hear this voice, "Hi, dear. How was your day?" Oh, crikey! wonder what that's about? And you walk in, and you go, "Um, this morning when I left, what did you yell out?" Why? I said, "I love you forever." What did you think I said? Oh, nothing. <laughs> So you spent the whole eight to ten hours in your head going through something (laughs) that never happened. And I always ask people in the audience when you are considering what worry is, have a think now—not the thing you're worried about right now, but the thing before the thing you're worried about right now. Because we all worry; it's wired hard wired into our brain. So what was the last thing? Most people cannot remember what that was. And so I'll say to them, "Well, did it happen?" No. And if it did, it's never as bad as we thought it was. And so writing things down, doing that risk management tool, the number one thing for worrying and for for stress and all this sort of stuff is to do something about it. Take some practical action. Things will not change if things don't change. So you have to change something, even if it's just changing the way you see things, even if it's just the way of changing the way you see it, the way you view it. We know that perfectionism is one of the greatest detriments to people and can cause depression because it has to be right. I mean, when I was doing my master's, I had to get all A's. And I remember I got a B plus. And I went to town, man, I just got into writing and I wrote a U, 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 U you, 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 sir. And you know, C's get degrees, don't they? It doesn't have on my masters up on my wall up there. It doesn't say, and got all A's.
2: <laughs>
0: it just says the same as everybody else's. And so we put ourselves under way, way, way to, it is self-induced stress. So the way to overcome that is called self-actualized stress neuroplasticity or self-activated neuroplasticity as some people use. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bring excitement to our change. So we're going to set ourselves a little goal and we're going to get excited about it. And when we get excited about the end game, the goal, we get dopamine, which makes our brain a neuroplastic, makes it malleable almost so that we can mold it. And then we bring effort. We bring effort to the game both in our minds and physically but mainly in our head and when you bring those two things and as a young farmer who i was talking to the other day suddenly called it e2 excitement and effort he calls it now e2 and i'm going to call it e2 and i'm going to claim it as my own when you bring those two things together wondrous things happen and so if you're going through pains in your business right now Where are the pains coming from? Are they practical pains? Well, then go and do something about it. Are they psychological pains? Then you have to change the way you think about things and just moderate your goals. You are still succeeding if you are still in business. If your business is still ticking over, you are still succeeding. Even if it's in receivership, there's a receiver going to come in and try and recover that business. Diversification, we know, is probably a way of developing businesses these days. What else could I do? Because if we keep doing the same thing time and time and time again, somebody's going to overtake us and do better. So now we start to look at, right, I've been stable for the last three, four, five years. I feel like I'm in this place where I'm going to fall over. Right, well, do something about it. What can you do? How can I diversify? How can I get somebody to help me? And the people that you can get to help you, You don't, it doesn't cost you money. I'm doing it with my business. I've just partnered with somebody and I've got videos to sell. I can't sell them. I haven't got time. So she's developed a learning platform. I got introduced by somebody else. We sat down, right? We're doing sharing now. And all of a sudden it's starting to grow. So we've had to get somebody to help doing it. Well, I can't sell. I'm not a salesperson. Mm -hmm. She's not a salesperson. Let's get one in. So we've got a salesperson now coming in and that's going to be there. And so we're just changing the way we do things all the time. I mean, yes, I could have a, great, a good living for the rest of my life, just standing in front of audiences and talking or doing podcasts. <laughs> the invoices yep. in the mail, by the way. It's, it's just...
1: If <laughs> <laughs> you
2: change the address, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, so,
1: I like the way that you reframed failure there, but the way I think about failure, I guess, is that I kind of almost think about it as a good thing to be able to fail. And I guess if I go a little bit deeper into that, I'm thinking that it's more the fear of failure Mm -hmm. that stops us and it's kind of almost debilitating than anything. And then some of the other things I can relate to a lot because a lot of people said to me, you know, I was crazy trying to go into my own business. Mm -hmm. I started my own business at the age of 19, my first business. And a lot of people said, oh, you're nuts. You know, you, you're going to mm. fail. <laughs> yeah, go <laughs> <enjoy> and enjoy life. <laughs> I, and I did to a large degree. <laughs> but I also succeeded every now and then.
0: Hmm. How many people at 19 can say they had their own business? Well, not many. And this So you've
1: succeeded. I've had several interesting conversations about this recently as well. But I agree with what you were saying before in that when – If you just sit there and kind of, you know, look up at the mountain and say, well, I'm not doing it. That's the real failure, not actually giving it a go. And people talk about job security and stuff like that. And I see a lot of people focusing on that. What it really does is tie you into that for, you know, potentially forever. I see a lot of people when I left a job, well, I didn't really leave. I got the sack to be honest. Great! Right. I love honesty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when I left the workforce, I see a lot of people there who had that security. I went out, I had nothing, no security mm-hmm. whatsoever. And I'd hate to be in their position now. Yeah.
0: You know, while you were talking, I was thinking that shows that I'm thinking too much and that men can do a couple of things at once. And so when I had depression, did I fail? No. No, because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you.
2: You gaining experience.
0: Because I would be still in the New Zealand police, quite a senior rank. It was good money, good job, all that sort of stuff. But now I've just, I would never, if you asked me five years, well, have a look at how things have changed since I first met you. And I was just last year, wasn't it? Yes. I can tell you in, in 12 months, things have just exploded for me.
2: When you we put bet on your horse and we just winning, that's what we. So miles away, you were smelling of success.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's uh, yeah, crikey! I could go all sorts of places with that. (laughs) Is, Is this is this like smelly videos? Is it? (laughs) <laughs> I have just been. I have just been for a run. That's why I've got these clothes on.
2: <laughs> you can keep fantasizing. I want to take a different uh, path. It's. I do to people. I provoke this kind of. Uh,
0: okay. Yeah. No. That's good.
2: <laughs> so what I I hear from both of you saying here is, and I have observed it, and I think it's just a little theory started to form in my mind. A failure, as such, in a trivial term, as a trivial concept. I think it's happening because in our fears to fail, we don't go, we project them to the point of fail, we don't go further. If we have been projecting these fears, typical example, I got some stressful situation and night comes in, the lights of darkness is on, and that's when the beast is unleashed. Mm. It starts exaggerating things uh, because there is no light, there is no definite border around me of the room it's just endless and it's this vastness of the dark space creates this absolutely unstoppable exaggerated thoughts what i think we are not doing if we are going down this path we should go all the way not just fearful of crashing and burning but also living through this crash and burn what's happened next yes mm. so what yes you can get this result this can happen to you. That's right. And what I was finding useful for me, it was a bit of a revelation coming through. I started living through fears further to the point when it actually did happen and my next steps. And working through this, because some fears you can't overcome, they're irrational. If you don't work through them, they will keep haunting you every night so, mm. what i I think we push ourselves not far enough in those fears,
0: so I talk about run to the fire
2: Yes, you have been talking about it, and run I to just the fire. Start, I only now start realizing what it meant because mm. sometimes things are clever on this level on intellectual, but you don't feel them until you get to there.
0: you've got you've got to go through you know I, people ask me would I want to go back to where I was? Well, certainly not, no one likes to be in that deep, dark space, but I'm pleased I went there because now I can share what it was like for me and it's pretty much like for everybody. And it's given me a new awakening and a new outlook in life. Now the way that we have to overcome everything is to run towards it. Take a deep breath, get yourself right first, and then go towards it. Challenge yourself. Interesting thing about that, demons always come in the dark. Why? Because there's no nothing around us, no other stimuli. So you talked about the dark room. It's because there's no lights on. If you turned the lights on, you'd see the walls. So people, when they can't go to sleep, when they're becoming overwhelmed, why? Because it's dark and there's nothing around. So just a simple thing of turning a light on in the hallway, to know that there is a world, to know that there's a hallway and outside that hallway is a driveway and outside that driveway is a car and outside that car is a whole world. And so that's the way to look at things or having headphones on and just listening quietly to music or having the, the radio on beside you to know that there is something else there. When we get in that deep, dark space in the night and all these demons come because there's nothing around us, we just need to stop the demons by knowing that we are not alone. And isolation is what your brain tells you to do. So listen to talk back if you have to. Listen to something, some music to know that you are not alone. That's Isolation is a killer. It really is. And that's what your brain says. It says, I'm here. It's not, it's you. So you're with yourself. And that's the, the thing that we have to break down. We have to get that, work through that isolation and say, there's people out there to help me. I've got to go and find them. Even if it's the people listening on the radio, we're just talking, you know, listening to radio, whatever we are doing, having a light on. We need to know that there's other people around us.
1: So I guess we should probably work towards wrapping up just a quick question because we came into this with talking about how to deal with overwhelm. You've given us, I think, a few ways of dealing with it, but let's, I mean, are there a few kind of quick steps if we recognize dealing with this that we can go through?
0: Yeah, it really is. It's about slowing things down. We're overwhelmed with everything. And when we become overwhelmed, we tend to focus, as I say, on the negative because there's, when the fast you go, the, the, everything's starting to happen around us. So now we've got to slow things down. So breathing is the first thing. Three things that will keep us well is socialization, talking with people, exercise, 30-minute exercise every workday at the end of the workday to burn off adrenaline and cortisol from anxiety and all its anxiousness and all the days of work, and then sleep. If you do the first two right, the third one will come. For people that may want it, I have a document that is six pages long on how to get to sleep, how to relax and how to get to sleep. It is free. Because all I have to do is go to my website and ask me for it. Contact us, Sleep Tips, and I will send it to them for free. And it's me that sends it back. So if it comes back, dear Stephanie, it's because I'm old and I've forgotten to copy and paste your name in there. So I don't use Mailchimp. It comes from me. And so it's just it's something that I pay it for It's all science-based. All of my stuff is based on neuroscience. I don't. So what I do is take neuroscience and just turn it around into everyday actions. And so, for example, you know, the way I I start start off my presentations, I ask somebody in the room, uh, what was the first school you went to? What was your first primary school? And they tell us, tell me. And so I say, who was thinking of their own primary school? And everyone in the room is as probably you were when I asked that question. And so that's what, what neuroscience and I try and stay on that side rather than because that's the best way have the room. So You yeah, crikey. <laughs> I'll, to, I'll get back to you on that one. Terrence. <laughs> <laughs> Can
1: you let me know what's wrong?
0: Yeah, no, no. So you were thinking about the room and I'm saying that when I said people sitting in a room.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same thing
0: about the, the Exactly the same thing you were imagining. That, so it's, it's the same. So we reflect on ourselves as humans, when we're talking with others. Now, I know I've touched both of you, probably Nadia, more than as I've talked through this session.
2: Generally Uh, speaking, women are generally speaking, so Terrence usually doesn't talk (laughs) as much on this podcast.
0: Right. But I have touched both of you, and that's just that human stuff that we've got in all of us. Now, I feel good about the conversation we had. I don't know how you feel. But this has been done across the task. We, t-
2: we feel terrible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I can tell by your face you feel terrible. So, you know, we are time zones apart. We are distance apart. But we've watched each other and we've g- interacted in a conversation and we go away feeling good. All of us do. And that's the key, socialization, because your brain says, go away, go and hide in your room, go to sleep. I've got your back, and it hasn't?
2: For me, sometimes it's uh, not the advice. The knowledge is always seems to be the same. It has been invented s- thousands of years ago. We just have to get the right channel, feel mm. it, that it's ours, uh, to own it. And what it comes to me is the quality of speaker I define, for me, for myself, again, it's not just for anybody else, it's finding the right person to deliver this, from this well of knowledge, of common knowledge, who just has this technique of explaining you certain things. And you certainly have got this technique when it comes to the stress management. You're explaining things, you acknowledge fully what's happening in your body, and then you go on to management of these feelings, how to eradicate certain things or how to change the neurological pathways to prevent from feeling trapped in your own mind. What I also want to ask you very quickly and briefly, and I know we're on wrap up, is you're doing now, delivering talks to police station and your dog is not happy about it.
0: (laughs) My dog wants in the door.
2: Not police station, but police forces about terrorism. What's happening? What's new developments out there? New techniques or anything? Just give us a bit of curious.
0: Nothing is different to what I've just told you. Mm Because we are humans. So all that happening with ISIS and all these things. So I've just, I'm in fact, if you don't mind, I'll look across here now. The history of terrorism, which I've just finished, it started back in the first century. Mm-hmm. And so in the 1970s, we had the Munich incident and aircraft hijackings in the 80s. They were setting off bombs in the 1980s. In the 1990s, we had kidnappings, bombings, and assassinations. In 2000, we had terrorist attacks. And then in 1999, Islamic start of, State of Iraq and Syria was born. But We had it in the IRA. These things have always gone on over time. And basically, it's just conflict. Humans do interact on occasion with conflict because your ideas or ideals are different to mine. These days, because our brains are sped up. So your default setting in your brain is anger. So for example, if you're hungry, that is a feeling. That's why hangry is a thing. Because it's a feeling, you'll get angry. And so when I talk about little kids walking around, you know, you're walking around with your parents and you see them in the supermarket, and they become somebody else's children. You think, crikey, look at those little rats going there. As all it is, is they're hungry
2: mm.
0: because a hunger is an emotion. It's not an emotion. It's, it's a feeling. So our emotional default. And so that's what's going on. I want something and I want it now and I've got to have it. And so, and very much terrorism is like that. But terrorism these days, so people are more isolated than they ever were before businesses i I work with major corporations and the amount of people so can i take can we finish on this can we finish on this note when i'm doing my presentations to large audiences i get everyone in the room to put their hand up and then i say put your hand down so i do it counteractively because they've got to think put your hand down if you've never ever heard of anxiety depression or suicide and we take them on this journey and the last question is Put your hand down if the only person you know who's had anxiety, depression, or suicide is a friend or a colleague. 100% of hands stay up. So that means it's in every house.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And it is. And we still don't talk about this stuff because we think it's just us. We think it's just our family. Always with the heart and not the head because the head is full of Mm -hmm. S-H-I-T. (laughs) So that might be a good place to end.
2: Okay, you can end, but I will ask you a couple of questions. (laughs) Not <laughs> we had this discussion before. You have to give me this chance to ask <laughs> the conflict. The conflict, very quick one, it yes. doesn't have to be part of podcast. But the good thing always happens after we switch off the equipment. It's an unfortunate thing. It happened to us with a we invested uh, we interviewed people. The best story came after it's always but, the switch goes off, attention right. released, and everything. Give us so For my very quick question. Position-based discussion versus interest-based discussion. So the conflict always occurs when people have a position-based discussion. This concept comes from the law. And I'm just now dealing with collaborative uh, space where people trying to negotiate, but Mm -hmm. when they dig their heels on position, this is, I want that and that thing Mm -hmm. or that thing. Instead of having interest-based discussion, which means how can we both of us get mutually beneficial outcome?
0: So that's mediation, isn't it? Yes. You should always put your stake in the sand. Yes. But remember, it's sand that you put your stake into. And sand moves.
2: Yes. Yes. So do you deal in this space? Can I read something about it? Because I really, really got interested in this concept.
0: So that's what negotiation is about. So if you go into a negotiation or a mediation wanting to win, you will always fail. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) so we go into a negotiation wanting to resolve
2: Mm -hmm. so you need to
0: go in with the aim of having a resolution rather than a win or loss it's again it's all around that mindset change
2: cool this is just personally for my personal game because i'm developing something in my head that Obviously, for my business as well,
0: there's some IP in that. What I've just told you, too, by the way. So, there's a, every time you use that, you can
2: what did you say about the farmer who gave you this idea? You said <laughs> it's going
0: be E2. So
2: he you will, know be, the he farmer. will remain unnamed.
0: He's uh, unnamed. Are I are... have no idea who he is.
2: <laughs> yeah, so they, this is my E2 win versus resolve. It's thank you very much, Lance. And on it's that, pleasure. it's it's a copyright, not a use. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks a lot for a uh, great yes. conversation once again. We really appreciate it. I really enjoy these podcasts. And I didn't speak a lot in this podcast because I thought I'll just, why interrupt the flow when things are going? Mm. So Now, just quickly, how can our listener connect with you?
0: you can go through my website. There's quite a bit there. I've got a U- in fact, I've got a, a YouTube channel, but certainly if they go to my website, that's warninternational.com. Or one word, WARN, International WARN stands for Wellness, Awareness, Resilience, and Negotiation. They'll see on there, there'll be a video on there, eight minutes long, looking after loved ones, so how to look after your children when they are struggling. And there's a whole heap of other little short videos on there, and we're updating those, and we'll be doing podcasts and things in due course. Perfect. Thank you
2: very much. I'm
1: coming near you. We'll put a link up on the Thank Unfair you. Advantage Project website to your website and people can click through from there as well. Perfect. Thank you
0: so much. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. A pleasure. Have a great Sunday afternoon. You too. Hey, thanks, you Take care. See you later. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Unfair Advantage Project. For more curated resources, visit us at unfairadvantageproject.com.